Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hi, and welcome to this special edition of All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and I'm here with my wonderful wife, Beth. Hi, friends. And we're here this month to talk to you about marriage. We're so excited to talk about the realities of married life. And today, we want to talk about the things that God brings to our attention, to the surface, through marriage. Many times when you, you're bringing two different people from two different backgrounds together, things are going to start to come up. We start to notice our weaknesses more. We start to notice our sins more, our selfishness more. It reminds me of a, a friend of mine when I was single and in graduate school. One of my classmates got married over the summer. And when we were all back together in the fall and he's been married a few months, I asked him, oh, how's marriage? And he just puts his head down and shakes his head, <laughs> looking really sad. And I said, oh no, what's wrong? And he shakes his head and he says, Ted, I've never realized how selfish I was until I got married. <laughs> so, uh, and, and he said that, by the way, before he, even he had any kids. And kids have a whole other way of bringing out our own weakness, our own selfishness. But there's something else that God wants to bring to our attention in marriage. And those are the wounds that we have, the certain ways we've been impacted in our lives, experiences, our upbringing, traumatic events. Those things actually affect our marriage so much more than we may realize. Uh, and we want to talk about that. And all that we're going to be sharing with you here today is from a brand new book we have coming out. Uh, it's called The Good, the Messy, and the Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life. So the first time you and I have been able to write a book together, and we're just thrilled that that's coming out. Uh, if you're interested, you can pre-order now, whether for yourself, someone you know, it's wedding season this summer, maybe you have someone that's getting married. You can pre-order our book at ascensionpress.com slash real marriage. You can learn more about the book and the videos as well that we have ascensionpress.com slash real marriage. You can pre-order now, and the book comes out in July. And one more thing, would you like to get a free sneak peek of the book? Uh, we could send you a little excerpt. All you need to do is be on our list for the show notes, and that's all for free. All you need to do is text all things Catholic to 33777. So just text all things Catholic, just one word, all things Catholic to 33777, and you'll get the show notes, uh, and you'll get excerpts from the book related to the topic we're looking at today about the deep healing that God wants to do in our souls through marriage. So again, text all things Catholic to 33777. But we wanted to start off by sharing with you a story when when Beth and I were once going to give a, a talk here in Denver to It was last year, wasn't it? It was just Yeah, last spring. Wow, this is just a year. That's right. It yeah, seems I know. <laughs> it seems like it was so long ago. Everything's all blurry <laughs> since COVID times, you know. So yeah, so just last year we were giving a talk to young adults for theology on tap. So it was young single people, young married couples, engaged couples. And we're all excited to go do this, but we're reviewing our notes on the way up. And I just remember we're driving on I-25. And all of a sudden I said to you, I said, honey, I think for this one point, we need an analogy. We need some kind of word picture to grab people's attention, draw them and help them to really understand this point. What's an analogy we can use? And all of a sudden my wife says, I've got the analogy. It's <laughs> bone broth. <laughs> And I remember thinking, bone broth? What does bone broth have to do with marriage? But why don't you tell the listeners a, a Because about you that. don't make bone broth. That's why you didn't know. 
Um, so we get a half of a side of beef from these Benedictine sisters in northern Colorado. And um, it's awesome, awesome meat. But we always have to be in touch with the uh, processors, the butchers, to determine how we want it packaged and how we actually want to receive and if we want certain things or not. Because some people don't like beef liver. Did you know that? I love liver, but some people don't. Anyway. That's why there's differences in complementarity in marriage. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm glad some of my kids like liver. Anyway, woo, big tangent. Um, so I always get the soup bones. I They say, do you want the bones? Yes, please. I need those bones because um, bone broth is so good for you. If you're sick, if you want to make rice with it, you want to make a soup with it, there's so many things you can do and it's so good. Um, you can go I was just going to say, I found out you, you've been sneaking bone broth into some of our dishes. You didn't know that? Well, I didn't know it until you announced it I've in been, a talk we I've gave been in Philadelphia this last year. I've been doing that for years. <laughs> I never knew until a live talk we were giving this last oh, week. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Truth comes out, dear listeners. You have a front row seat. No, I put it in uh, rice, in our rice cooker, instead of like water or chicken base. I'll sneak it in there. Because it's, it's really healthy for it's you. It's so good for you. Like a cold season, so good. The reason, though, it's so good um, is because all these nutrients, all these vitamins, all these things like gelatin, which are so good for your body, for your skin, for your immune system, um, come from the bones of the beef or the chicken or whatever it is that you're using for it. Um, but when you make it, it's not just a like easy thing to do. Um, you really have to sit with it and it takes like a solid two days. So when I do it, I get the bones, defrost them, put them in my gigantic Streganona pasta pot, which I got on eBay. It's a vintage one. I love it so much. It's like an event to get that thing out. Um, you put a little vinegar in to start breaking the bones down, let it sit. And then you put in all your spices, your onions, your celery, your carrots, fill it up with water, and then you bring it to a simmer and just let it sit there. Um, but you got to stay with it. You got to keep looking up and see how it's doing. And I want to read to you my recipe for bone broth because I think it's so fun. This is from the book Nourishing Traditions. It goes like this. Heat the broth slowly. And once the boil begins, reduce the heat to its lowest point. Scum will rise to the surface. One of the basic principles of the culinary art is that this effluvium should be carefully removed with a spoon. Otherwise, the broth will be ruined by strange flavors. Besides, the stuff looks terrible. Always skim is the first commandment of good cooks. What is effluvium? Effluvium is a fancy <laughs> word for scum. So when you make bone broth, what you find is there's this nasty, gray, smelly foam that comes on the top of the surface of the liquid. I mean, it's almost like a cappuccino, but nasty. So it's it's real thick and dense, and you've got to go and scrape it off and discard it because there's nothing that's good about it. But if you don't do that, it's in your broth and it's no good. And your broth is going to not taste, smell, be good. So marriage, bone broth, scum. Marriage is the slow simmer of you and your husband. It's going to take out all the good parts. It's going to strengthen those. But it's also, and necessarily so, 
going to take out all of the bad stuff in you. It's going to expose it. It's going to bring it to the surface so that your spouse will see it, so that you will see it. And you will have to make a decision. Do you want that scum to stay in your marriage? Or do you want to make a conscious decision to skim the top, to take it out and to get rid of it with our Lord Jesus? You know, I think in our lives, you know, we can kind of manage how to some extent, how other people view us, you know, people don't see the real self when we're just, you know, out in public at church or maybe with your colleagues in the office or certain, you know, maybe friends get to know you a little better, but nothing like marriage, right? Marriage, you, you really come to know each other and there's nowhere to hide and your true self comes out. The good qualities, the weaknesses, the sins, but also the things that have affected us, you know, and I think that's one of the things we, we want to share today is also just, uh, it might not even be a sin and a weakness. All that is being brought to our attention and we, we see our selfishness and we see the ways that God's inviting us to grow. Uh, but, but another thing that he brings our attention are certain hurts from our past or certain patterns of, of, be, uh, of just relating to other people, certain patterns we have for finding, you know, security in life or stories we tell about ourselves and stories we tell about others that, that are, are off. And, and marriage has a way of, of drawing that out of us. So this reminds me of a time not so long ago um, after I had our last youngest daughter, Eleanor. Um, when I was pregnant with her, we were renovating the house we decided to do the kitchen and then we said, hey, let's add on to the house too. And it was a really stressful time. If you've been pregnant and done a renovation at the same time, you know what I'm saying. Prego Reno, is that what you mean? Re- <laughs> something like that. Anyway, um, so then I had her. It was kind of rough. And then afterwards, five weeks later, I had a real serious health event. And it was like the one, two, three, you're out kind of situation where it was just hard for me to bounce back. It was hard for me to even just function like I used to, you know, I was used to, you know, this kid's going here and this is here and we got to do this. I got to fill out this paperwork and, you know, make sure this carpool and sign this kid up for here. And I couldn't be on top of it anymore. And, And I just wasn't finding joy in my motherhood. Like I had, I felt empty. I felt like a shell. Um, everything seemed darker and harder. I didn't feel like I had much to give. A story I think illustrates this uh, quite well is that it was almost back to school time and our kids, we had a couple of them going to this charter school near our house and I decided I'm going to give myself a present. I'm going to order the kind of expensive school supplies that somebody else puts together and then ships to your door. I'm going to do that for two classes and call it a day because I really don't like school supply shopping. It's like a treasure hunt with no prize at the end, you know, get this particular type of pencils and this kind of paper. And it's somewhat maddening, especially if you have multiple kids that you're shopping for. So they arrived in a beautiful brown box. I opened it. I saw how lovely they were. Friends were coming over. And so we promptly took the lovely school supplies boxes and put them in the garage where we take all things when we don't want our house to look messy. (laughs) Don't come to our house and look at the garage, please. (laughs) It's not pretty. Anyway, um, then fast forward right before the meet and greet at the school. And I asked our oldest son, hey, go out and get those boxes. They're right here in the garage. I just saw them last week. Can you bring them in so I can sort through them, make sure we're good to go? And he comes back, mom, they're not there. I'm like, what do you mean they're not there? I just saw them. I'm like, no, they're right here. Go check again. And he goes and looks around. Mom, 
really, they're not there. And I'm like, okay, I'm go out, walk to the garage with them. Sure enough, the boxes were nowhere to be seen. And I'm like, really? These were right here. I just saw them. And then my sweet boy looks at me and he's like, oh, dad told us to take all the boxes in the garage out for recycling yesterday. So I lost it. I, I mean, this was too much for me to bear in this moment when knowing now, not only did I not have anything to show to the new teachers, so talk about a mom fail, but also knowing I'm going to have to go to probably four or five different stores to get all the necessary school supplies in the 11th hour and they're going to be picked over. And it's just, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. So I went up to my room shut the door and I wept. And this wasn't like a little like boo-hoo. This was like from the bowels of my being just sobbed. And somehow I had my cell phone with me and you called (laughs) and you were like, honey, you got to get it together. The kids are scared. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like trying to explain to him why this was such a big deal. Um, But this was not like me. The school supply reaction was not like me. And it's just a vignette that shows how I was in such a low place. I was not myself. I'm sure looking back that there was some postpartum depression involved. I know I had some other physiological things that were just off. Um, But this went on for months. And then finally, a good friend, I was talking with her about it. And she said, I think you need to go back to counseling. She said, I think there's some things related to the way you grew up having divorced parents that you've not yet dealt with. (sighs) I was not happy to hear this, but deep down, I knew she was right. I knew she was right. You know, I'd done the counseling thing around this issue before, and I really thought I got to a good place, but now I was seeing like my coping mechanisms were basically being stripped from me. Um, and I knew that there were deeper wounds, deeper issues. So I planted the flag. I went to therapy weekly, sometimes twice a week with adoration immediately following. I picked up spiritual direction and went to confession more regularly. I read, read, read all that I could get my hands on related to healing, related to being an adult child of divorce. I journaled like a crazy person just when I was angry, when I was sad, when I was just trying to work through an issue. And I really realized that this particular wound was had become the lens through which I saw the world. You know, anxiety about making sure everything was just right and having a sense of control. Um, perfectionism, making sure that people knew that I had it all together or people pleasing that the people around me approved of me and that they, you know, were happy because I felt like if they could be happy, then I could rest and be happy. Um, I had this great fear of abandonment that people would leave me, they'd reject me, they turned my back on their back on me. Deep shame that I wasn't good enough, that I was too much. Um, and these were all related. These were all wrapped up in my identity, how I saw myself, how I saw others' relationships, even my relationship with Jesus. You know, they came out in prayer, and I wasn't able to see him as he truly is. And so after all this was just coming up, it was brutal. It was dark. It was messy. Um, It was raw. There were a lot of times I'm like, really, I have to go back home and make dinner now. But I wanted freedom. And so I just, we had to do a reset. And I'm so grateful. I mean, we're talking about marriage. 
that it really was my marriage that gave me the strength to go to therapy. I remember when I told you I wanted to go, we went out to that Indian food place. I was so nervous. And, you know, to tell him, I think I need to go back to therapy. I didn't know what he was going to say. I didn't know if he'd be like, oh, I don't know if we can afford that, you know, or whatever the response would be. But of course you were totally fine. You're like, oh yeah, sure. So those, uh, a little bit from my perspective in those, uh, those months and years, you know, where, where you were going through therapy and doing a deep dive into this, the search for the path. This, this, by the way, again, is going back to that bone broth analogy. You know, all of marriage is like the bone broth, bringing things to our attention that God wants to work on. It. He's showing us the scum of our life, not to go, not to point it out. Ha ha! Look at that scum. He's bringing it to our attention because he he loves us still, even with our scum. But he loves us too much to keep us with our scum, and he wants to heal us. And and so he uses marriage to bring things to the surface. So I have my scum. I have my own hurts from my past. I have my many sins, my pride, my weakness, my selfishness that keeps coming to the surface. And still, it's not like the bone broth is done just because we wrote a book on marriage. <laughs> you know, it's still there. Um, but but this is a the the story that you share. I, I know it's touched many people's lives because. It, it shows that it's not just sin and weakness, that God wants to to heal the whole person. So even the wounds from our past like this. Um, but I'll say this, it also challenged me to to love in a new way. Because as you're going through the therapy and you're praying through things and meeting with your spiritual director and, you know, a lot of things are coming to the surface uh, that were not just about you, but also about our relationship and things that I, you know, realized I was doing that I didn't realize was triggering you. Because uh, we had well-established patterns of relating at this point. You know, we'd been married 15 years and we had gotten into a good rhythm of he says this and I do this or I say this and he does this. And all of a sudden, I'm like, mm, sorry, that's not going to work anymore. I don't like that. We need to re to change it. Or I would say, no, we need to do this instead. And you poor husband was thrown for a little, like, wait, what? What are you even talking about? That's not how this works. So, yeah, it, so that was hard. So, and it, and, But it was beautiful because, you know, as Beth said, she, you know, the, the impact of her upbringing shaped everything about how she looked at life. And so she was beginning, thanks be to God, to see things the way God sees them. And so it helped us to kind of redirect the way we interacted together. And I had to grow and I had to be willing to change. But the other hard part for me was not just the ways I needed to change, but it was also, I think, in those the the real deeper, darker seasons of, of this healing journey, when you're just not the active go-getter, you know, upbeat wife that you've always been all these years. And, you know, there's a lot more sorrow uh, that she's going through as she's remembering things from her past and then not maybe not like, uh, you know, running around and doing as many things in the household. I'm kind of like, oh my goodness, what's happening? And I'm, I'm needing to step in and help in ways. I'm thinking, what what happened to my wife? And she's a little more sensitive, like when I would want to talk and maybe you just weren't able to talk. And I just remember thinking many times, what's happening? Uh, and And probably the biggest part, the hardest part on my end was a feeling of helplessness. It was, I want to help. I, and I know this is good. I, and I, I, I want, I want this for you, but I feel like I can't do anything. And when I try to help, I'm making it worse. Or I, I want to be a good husband. I feel like I just don't know how anymore. And you, he even came to therapy with me several times so that my therapist could help explain to him what was going on, especially because there were times when I didn't feel like I could articulate it or I didn't feel safe enough to articulate it. And so having that trusted third party there was really invaluable 
to kind of just help us be able to be on the same page. And yeah. Yeah. I think here's the uh, little analogy. Well, I'll get to the analogy in a moment, but uh, the, the therapist was so helpful, not just for you, but also for me and for us together. Uh, and I want to just highlight that there's no shame in therapy. Amen. If, you know, grace builds on nature, you need a spiritual director, you need to go to confession, you need the sacraments, you need prayer, of course. But there's some things in our lives that having like a good kind of life coach, if you will, or someone like in this case, specialist that can, that understands how wounds from our past affect us, like that, that's actually really helpful. It's a loving thing for yourself and for the people in your life to get the help you need so that God can, his grace can penetrate more deeply in your soul. And I, I know that was the case for you, but on my end, the, the, the therapist was so helpful for me because I wanted help. I just didn't know how. And she was like a great coach saying, okay, Ted, when you do this, this actually reminds her of this. And do you realize like, that's actually not helpful and here's what she does need. And I was like, hey, thank you. You know, it was hard because I needed to be willing to change on my end to help you. But I didn't even, before that, I didn't even know how. But analogy that we've used before is how uh, I remember, I don't know, sometime during the pandemic, you and I were, started going for walks every day and we have our older kids that can watch the kids. We we're going for walks all the time. And and there was one day I was wanting to hold your hand, like I often do, and but I held your hand and then for like 10 seconds and then you let go. And then, okay, about a minute or two later, I hold your hand. I don't again. think I let you hold my hand for 10 seconds. Maybe it wasn't that even day. that. Maybe it was like three seconds. <laughs> right. And then you let go. Right. And I tried a third time to hold your hand. And then you just let go. And I was feeling a little hurt. Like, oh, why does my wife not want to hold my hand? And, and I realized. No, it, then I told you yeah. I banged it really hard on the handle of the refrigerator. And there was a huge scratch and bruise there. <laughs> So, which I didn't know. He didn't and, know. And once I knew about that wound on her hand, I was like, oh, all right, I, I, I don't want to hold your hand now because I, I don't want you to get hurt. And, and I was so I was unintentionally hitting, hurting my spouse by poking at her wound, not, not realizing that there was a wound there. And that stuff happens in marriage all the time. We all have our stuff. And a, a spouse especially may not realize what they're doing, what they're saying, what they're doing, but they may be poking at a wound unintentionally. Uh, and, and so it's, so I found the therapist to be so helpful for me to realize, because I don't, I don't want to hurt my wife's hand if she has a wound on it. And I don't want to hurt her heart if she has a wound on it. And, and it was so helpful for me to learn from the therapist um, ways that I could be a, a better husband to you, especially uh, in that time. So also during this time, um, it really was kind of coming undone and just everything I thought about myself was like up for discussion with Jesus and realizing that, yeah, I just needed to rethink a lot of ways that I was going about life, a lot of ways that I was perceiving things, the lens that I was seeing everything through had to come off. And a way I, I really, an analogy I liken this to is that I unload the dishwasher many times a day, as you can imagine. Um, and imagine if you're unloading the dishwasher and you're taking out, say, a glass wine glass and you have tile floors and you are taking them from the dishwasher and you're putting them in a cabinet that's kind of up higher. But the glass slips out of your hand and it falls onto the floor. What's going to happen? It's going to shatter into a thousand pieces. I felt like that glass. You know, I felt like my way of being and who I was, I thought I had it together. And then boom, it's all in pieces and it's shattered and it's messy. And I'm like, how can I put this back together? 
I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where it's possible. Like there was a lot of fear of even starting this process that this would happen. And then it did. And here I am. And I'm like, how can I be the mom and the wife that my family needs me to be here? But what I realized is the verse in Revelation where Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. And I felt like he took those shards of glass that were my life and he picked them up and he reassembled them. But it wasn't the same wine glass. It was something bigger that had more capacity. Because in going to those deep, dark places and in sitting in those deep, dark places and in meeting Jesus there and really confronting the truth about it and bringing my whole self to it and then choosing to live differently as a result of it, that I had an increased capacity for love. That instead of loving my family, my children, from fear or anxiety or trying to manage or control them, that I was going to love them instead from a place of trust and freedom, you know, and peace and joy, that I could delight in them, that I could give them more, that I could hold space for whatever they wanted to tell me, whatever they wanted to bring me, that I was able to just sit with them in it and approach it, whatever it is with them, and and really just be the mom that they knew loved them, that I wasn't coming at them with some agenda of, no, 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 we got to do this and we got to manage this and we got, it has to be this way. No, no, no. I could just let them talk and I could just be with them. And then I could gently guide in whatever way was necessary. Yeah. And I I can say uh, that through the process, I mean, I've, I've noticed a tremendous change in you uh, over the years and it's been it's just the the beautiful wife that I married almost 23 years ago has just blossomed into even more beauty. And and when you use that word, that re- it really struck me that you just said freedom, that there's like this, this deeper freedom of, of, you know, leading the family and, and just being with friends and as you really are, there's, there's greater peace that, you know, I think you said you can hold more uh, and you can hold us. And, and that, that's the beauty of what God does. So all that we're sharing here, you know, with the bone broth analogy, that's for every marriage. God's bringing stuff to the surface. He's going to bring the good out of us, but he's also going to bring those weak spots, those dark spots, those hurtful spots. And his healing love wants to transform us, you know, through marriage. So uh, you may have issues like, like we've been describing here. Maybe you, you suffered in deeper ways, or maybe they're they're lighter things, whatever it is. But we all have our stuff. We all have our what was that word again for scum? The effluvium. The effluvium. It's a fancy word. <laughs> we all have our effluvium that comes to the surface here, uh, and to see this as as again ways to encounter Jesus, uh, and and to to take that effluvium to Him so that we can be healed. So all that we're sharing here in, in this podcast and in other episodes this month is based on our new book uh, that's coming out here. It's called The Good, the Messy, and the Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life. And you can pre-order the book now at ascensionpress.com slash realmarriage. The book comes out July 1st, uh, but you can pre-order it right now at ascensionpress.com slash realmarriage. And don't forget, if you want to get a free excerpt from the book, a sneak peek of the book before it comes out, uh, we will put an excerpt in the show notes related to the topic we looked at today about the deep healing God wants to do in our souls through married life. And all you need to do is text all things Catholic to 33777. Again, text all things Catholic, just one word, all things Catholic to 33777. If you have any questions, you want to reach out to my wife, they can find you on Instagram. Yep, at Mrs. Beth Sri. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Thanks so much for listening and God bless.